Hi, Dr. Fazio. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I'm Janelle Gurley, Director of Science and Programs at Mary Mitchell, and thank you so much for joining us on our podcast this afternoon. How are you doing? Okay, fine. Thanks, Janelle. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, the pleasure is truly ours. And just to kick it off, can you tell us a little bit about your distinguished career as a physicist? Okay, good. I uh, went to uh, St. Mary's University for undergraduate school, and it's located in San Antonio, Texas. And I got a uh, BS in physics and a BA in chemistry in, in 1954. It's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from there, I went to the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, and I received a PhD there in uh, January of 1959. And my first position then was at the University of Rochester, where I reached the rank of assistant professor, and I was there for three and a half years, but missed Cambridge, Massachusetts terribly. And uh, my wife, who had married, uh, was from Boston area also, so we wanted to return. And I had a position at the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory as a uh, physicist and uh, returned there. And I've uh, been there uh, ever since. So it's um, uh, since my degree has been 65 years now working, I'm still working full time. And I just turned 90 years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not a day over 16. <laughs> Not a day over 16, yeah. So did you grow up in Texas? Yes, I grew up in uh, San Antonio. I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my father was a, a musician in the Army, U.S. Army and Air Force. So I grew up on uh, Army and Air Force bases in San Antonio. Amazing. And what was it like? Tell me what it was like growing up on those bases in, in Texas at that well, time. It was, yeah, it, it was it was very interesting. Um, uh, my parents, neither one of my parents uh, had a high school education. My father was an immigrant from Italy. My mother's parents were immigrants from Italy. And so I had no books in the house. We did have a small encyclopedia. But uh, growing, growing up on the Air Force bases, um, what really what saved me was within one block of our house was a library. And mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time there in, in, the, uh, in the library. And um, so in my... Um, uh, eighth grade, I decided I wanted to be a nuclear physicist, and and I uh, had the catalogs for college and graduate school already then, and I set my goal and just shot like an arrow to, <laughs> to achieve it. So, uh, rather amazing. Uh, why it happened that way, I have no idea, or what, what got me interested, but I had no idea. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on. You said it's been 65 years since you've earned your degree. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, my, since, since the 19, early 1960s, I've been building cameras and putting them in space telescopes uh, to okay. send up and to uh, use the telescopes then to explore the universe and find out its origin. So I've been on um, three uh, space telescope missions as a principal investigator and a co-investigator on a fourth one. And the last one I was on, I was a principal investigator for the infrared array camera on uh, the NASA's Spitzer Space Telescope, one of its great observatories. Uh, and that worked for 16 and a half years uh, 
uh, it was in orbit and working till NASA turned it off because the James Webb Space Telescope was going to replace it. So what led you to the path with NASA exactly? Yeah, that was interesting. I, I did my PhD in elementary particle physics, and my first job at the University of Rochester was in elementary particle physics work also. But well, when I got there, we read a paper by Professor Philip Morrison at Cornell saying um, there was a very unusual astronomical object discovered that looked like it was matter-antimatter collision and producing tremendous amount of gamma rays. That was his prediction. So after reading that article, we said, wow, we, well, we know how to build gamma ray detectors. We'll uh, build one and go up and detect these gamma rays. And so we did. And to, to, de to detect them, you have to put the gamma ray detector into a balloon, high-altitude balloon, and fly it that way. So, so uh, that changed my course from elementary particle physics to astrophysics. And um, um, I've been in the, that field ever since. And, and, and you would say it's been an exciting field? Oh yeah. Well, I was in yeah, I was in gamma ray astronomy, and I tried that for ten years, and I also um, uh, built the um, ten meter optical reflector on Mount Hopkins to detect gamma rays from the ground. Very extremely high energy gamma rays um, can uh, cause uh, particle showers in the atmosphere, and these can, can be detected from the ground. And uh, so I tried that also, and never did detect anything. Although we had a three sigma effect uh, on the very high energy gamma rays. And I said, well, that, that's it. I said, the um, uh, number of photons divided by the amount of work, that ratio was so small, I said, goodbye. <laughs> and uh, went, into the, it went into infrared astronomy. And that was about 1970. And uh, that paid off big time. And I'm very glad I, I, I changed. That you enlisted on that trajectory? <laughs> yeah, so since 1970, I've been in gamma ray astronomy. I first built a 10-meter, um, uh, I mean, I first built a 1-meter Bloomborn telescope for foreign infrared astronomy, and I flew that for 20 years, actually. I had, we had 20 flights, and that made many, many discoveries. Um, and then I had, a, uh, I had the first infrared telescope on the space shuttle missions of Space Lab 2, Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that that worked, and um, and then I uh, went on to the Spitzer Space Telescope after that. What would you say that your most notable discovery, in your opinion, has been with your first one meter? Yeah, well, there, uh, no matter where we looked uh, that, uh, uh, in the sky with that telescope, we made new discoveries. We were mainly looking at star formation regions, and made the first foreign infrared maps of many of those star formation regions yeah and that was a very exciting that served as a guide then for future experiments and uh, so that was uh that was really uh important we looked at planets and uh and uh, other objects and made many other discoveries but the most important were probably the uh, first maps of many star formation regions in our galaxy so you laid the groundwork yeah, for, 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 yeah right. that's amazing and super yeah. impressive. What do you think the most important contribution has been in the current field of astrophysics, physics rather, in your opinion? Oh, 
Well, I, I think understanding the uh, the structure and origin of the universe, uh, and you know, and the current theory uh, of the um, of the universe, uh, with with uh, regular matter five percent, dark matter twenty five percent, and dark energy seventy five percent. That seems to be holding up, although there's some. They're not. It's not a hundred percent yet, and there's some question that it. So it's uh, it could be it's possible it could be overturned, but uh, but coming to that conclusion I think has been very very important. Where do you see this work going in the gamma ray detection and the infrared work that you've laid that ground? Well, obviously in the infrared, the James Webb Telescope has been a fantastic. My the Spitzer Space Telescope, the mirror was only uh, eighty five centimeters. Uh, the James Webb has a six and a half meter telescope, so mm-hmm. discoveries coming out of there are just pouring out like crazy right now. It's only um, been up a short time, but I'm sure many more will occur. But the, with the discoveries coming out of there, and I'm proud to say Spitzer was sort of a precursor to the James Webb, and um, mm-hmm. so um, to see all those discoveries is is a rather amazing. And I'm participating in some of those also. So you're currently doing work with the James Webb Space Telescope? Yes, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And can you share anything about that work that you're doing? Uh, yeah, mainly I'm uh, working w- with a, uh, a program um, uh, run by Professor Windhorst at Arizona State University called mm-hmm. the Pearls uh, Survey. And uh we're, I'm providing the submillimeter ray observations for some of those, and we're looking for uh, high redshift galaxies and uh, changes in time with some of those partners. Uh, I do want to mention also that I'm, I'm actually right now working on five different space telescope missions. Um, and three of them are with commercial space companies, which are very uh, which are very. Um, uh, it's unusual. It's quite difficult, different working with NASA, and I'm very excited about working with these space companies. And uh, um, so um, uh, that that's been uh, very exciting. One of them is uh, when Spitzer was turned off in uh, December. I mean, in January of 2020, mm-hmm. and it's, it's been in solar orbit, following the sun around, and uh, now it's on the other side of the sun from the Earth. But um, um, I, um, we, we're with this one commercial space company, Rio Space Activity. We're proposing to send a small satellite to Spitzer and try to turn it back on again. And okay. this one has got me really excited. And if we can achieve this, it'd be incredible. And so uh, that's I'm spending most of my time on that right now. So in the last three years, this sister has just been off and not doing yeah, uh, anything. NASA, um, in, in January 2020, just NASA turned it off mm-hmm. because James Webb was coming on mm-hmm. um, and, and put it in what is called safe mode. That is, uh, gotcha. they, they didn't completely kill it or anything. It's still operable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so it's still, now we don't know what condition it's in. You know, it's been three years and it may, we may not get to it till uh, 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 2029 uh, or so, but um, oh, wow. uh, and so we don't know what condition it'll be in or whether we can actually uh, uh, turn it on again, but uh, mm-hmm. let's hope. <laughs> There's definitely hope for that. Mm-hmm.
Can you share, in your opinion, what is a common misunderstanding or a myth about the universe that people hold that you have debunked? Or you no, there's still there's still some thoughts that it could be stable. You know that that it's stable. It's not expanding at all. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so um, I think that's that's one thing that's probably uh, misunderstood. I, although I don't know how many people still still believe that, but. Uh, uh, but that that's uh, that that is one thing that's that still still goes on. Fair enough. What can we expect from you next, apart from you sharing about the hopes for the sister to be turned back on? What can we look out for on the yeah. horizon? Well, I'm still working on on others. I'm involved in another so-called uh, uh, NASA probe mission. These are a new category of satellites that NASA is proposing to um, um, uh, to put into orbit and these are sort of a one billion billion is B uh, dollar mission and uh, I'm a co-investigator in one of those right now and they're going to be uh, submitted uh, sometime next year those proposals will be submitted next time next year sometime so we're uh, I'm also uh, quite excited about that. I'm working with the Japanese on a gamma ray telescope, uh, also, and um, uh, working with um, uh, Lone Star Holdings Incorporated to put an experiment experiment on the moon, a radio astronomy experiment on the moon, and um, trying to think what else. Now, when I'm working with Copernicus uh, uh, Space Company. Uh, also to set swarms of small satellites into the universe to look for evidence of life. So I'm keeping busy. <laughs> You're definitely keeping busy. I love this. Yeah, I do. I do want to say that uh, to encourage people to keep going and don't give up when they get older is um, uh, I did my best work when I was in the, my 70s with Spitzer. So um, yep. keep keep it up. <laughs> I love that. You segued naturally into what I would ask is your advice for any future astrophysicist. So I love that to so just keep. Oh, yeah. Playing. Well, I, I tell all my graduate students that come in that pick a job that you love. If you don't love what you do, life is hell. And uh, I tell them to do that first thing. And the other thing, if you're going to build anything, make, make it as simple as possible. Simplicity is, is the secret to success. I love that. I'm, I might steal that from you if you're okay with it. <laughs> and is there anything else you wanted to share with us and our listeners that we did not cover in this chat? Uh, nothing other than I'm, I'm glad to that you invited me to do this. I really love speaking to audiences. I think astronomers need to do more to excite people. You're paying, your taxes are paying for my research. Uh, so um, we owe it to you to tell you about the exciting work we're doing and everything. So I appreciate this opportunity. It truly is an honor for us. So very much appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts and a little bit of your background with our listeners. And without further ado, again, Dr. Fazio, it's been such a pleasure to spend my afternoon with you. 